From CITI Program, I'm Darren Gaddis, and this is On Campus. Today, how to support non-traditional students, what is an academic retention program, and what administrators, faculty, and staff can do to support non-traditional students. I spoke with Anika Williams, the statewide director of pre-collegiate programs and mentoring initiatives at the Florida Department of Education on supporting non-traditional students at higher education institutions. As a reminder, this podcast is for educational purposes only. It is not intended to provide legal advice or guidance. You should consult with your organization's attorneys if you have questions or concerns about relevant laws and regulations in this podcast. Additionally, the views expressed in this podcast are solely those of the presenter. Anika, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Darren. To really get us started here and to kind of ground our conversation for today, I really want to start off just by talking about what exactly are student retention programs and what are different names for these programs at different higher education institutions? Thanks for the question. So, so orientation, transition, and retention programs are, it's, it's exactly what, it, what it's titled. So these programs act on the principle of access, and it works with um, students who have historically been excluded or who are traditionally underrepresented. So we're thinking of students of color, students who are Pell eligible, low income, students with disabilities, and, and first-generation students, just to name a few. And so these programs um, have the intention of ensuring that students have a rich experience while they're in higher education. And so what's unique about a lot of these transition programs is that it moves beyond this concept of access, right? So access in higher education is a really big buzzword, and there's many initiatives over the years to ensure that we are opening the pipelines for non students who are considered non-traditional underrepresented to enroll in college. And so it's, it's moving beyond that, right? So how do we get students, these students to have success and graduate. Um, We know that there's a multitude of post-secondary options available to students, so online learning, there's community college, dual enrollment, which helps students start early. So these programs are all about bridging from access to college access and ensuring that they have a smooth transition while they're in college and that they go on to be successful uh, citizens of the the world and, and in our workforce. Nika, wow, that's a lot of information. And to unpack that a little bit further, specifically thinking about first-generation and low-income students, what should these student populations specifically know about transition programs or academic retention programs before they embark on their academic journey? I think it, it it's so crucial to, to, to answer this question by starting off to share that statistics show that only 11% of students who identify as first-generation college students and low-income are actually completing their degree. And so what that means to me is that while first-gen students, they're powerful in that they're resilient and they're capable and they're intelligent, that there are socioeconomic barriers that exist for them as college students. And these transition programs generally uh, nationwide are, are designed so that we have a smooth facilitation of transition into college um, and that we are retaining students in spite of these barriers. Uh, So transitions are traditionally designed 
where they are supposed to facilitate the best practices. And so the, these transition programs work to ensure that students have this very holistic experience while they're on campus and they're, they're being connected to resource to again, ensure that they are working and pushing past these barriers that do exist once they get to higher education. So really thinking about these different student retention programs and transition programs, from your own personal experience and also from your professional experience, how have you seen these programs make a difference in a student's life? As a first-generation college student myself, I have personal experience, but also as a, as a practitioner that's worked as an administrator in a retention program um, at a four-year institution. What is most powerful is seeing that these programs help students create this rich educational legacy. It changes their life trajectory. Um, and, and these again, these students are often students who society have discounted because of the zip code or, or where they are from. And so these retention programs help to create these collegiate experience that allows them to adjust and integrate into the institution and then graduate and go on to, to do great, great things. Um, most transition programs that I've researched, there's this heavy emphasis on promoting participation and taking proactive approaches to dismantle barriers that students might face. And so it's great that these programs are in place to demystify college as this elite force that they're up against it and have allowed them to see themselves as, as being part of the campus community. From understanding some of the challenges non-traditional students can face, in your opinion, what is the largest misconception people have about non-traditional college students? So I often hear, and let me say that I, I, I've worked as a TRIO director. So I was a, I served as a director for a talent search program and Upward Bound and other college reach out initiatives that work to increase college enrollment for low-income students. And what I often hear from policymakers and researchers is that college is not for everyone. And generally those messages are targeted to, again, to these students who are who have been historically excluded, who are underrepresented. And so I think we have to push against that notion because we don't we don't go to private schools and we don't go, we don't talk to students whose parents who have have a college degree and say, college isn't for you, or it's not for you, or you, you should consider going to a trade school. It's almost by default that we expect that those students will go to college. And so for me, that is a, a huge misconception in this line of work where folks truly do believe that first-generation college students are not all made to go to college. And through my work as a practitioner who, who, whose, whose programs have had great success, great college enrollment success for our low-income students, our, our students of color, is that that's not true, that they are, are just as capable as their, their other counterparts in, in going to college, getting admitted, and completing. Um, college as well. Um, another thing that I often see is that students uh, who are first-generation students are are often positioned from a deficit model, um, with, in fact, with, with practitioner work. And so we've got to change our line of thinking. We have got to shift this mindset that uh, first-generation students have to be fixed or they need to be um, 
they need to assimilate better into the college environment. That's not necessarily true. We have to shift our thinking where we view students, at, at these students as students who are bringing something to the table. They, they are rich in their own culture and that they are assets to the college environment. I think it, it, it really stems from uh, the way we perceive these students. And once we can correct our line of thinking, that we can make a world of a difference in, in ensuring that our first generation students are successful in college. Knowing this information, what are other ways administrators, faculty, and staff can make non-traditional students feel more supported on campus? So I, I, there's a there's a publication that came out from the U.S. Department of Education, and I, I thought it was very powerful. Um, it's very simple, but very powerful. It, it stated that supporting students should go beyond the college acceptance letter. So, and as I stated earlier in the interview, it, it's this concept of going beyond access. It, it's it's not just okay to say, okay, we've let first generation students in, or we have our non-traditional populations in, we've done our job. We have to find proactive approaches of finding ways to help students create or find their community while they're on campus. Uh, many first-generation college students live or work off campus, and sometimes their only interaction with faculty, with with you know staff or faculty, is when they're in the classroom. So faculty, for instance, can well they should, and hopefully they're creating the they're structuring classroom activities in ways that require students to become more involved in the learning process um, with their peers and and facilitating um, activities and um, assignments that connects them to resources on campus, obviously in a very strategic way that aligns with the goals of the class, but ensuring that that once they, once when, when we do have them on campus for that little time, that we are really allowing them to maximize that experience to build that community. Anika, what else do we need to know? And I'm gonna reemphasize it again, that we have to advocate beyond moving, we have to advocate beyond the access piece. Um, and creating a culture um, of success where students feel safe on campus, they feel included. Um, we need campus leaders who are going to use their position and their seats at the table to influence policies and practices that positively impact first-generation students. Um, so yes, so it's it's great that we have um, that we're getting that we have more of our non-traditional populations enrolling in college because of the the different avenues of doing that. We have to start thinking, how can we use our, 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 our resources? How can we use retention programs, orientation programs to ensure that their experience is successful, that they're graduating, they're feeling inclusive, and, and that we are truly um, building and moving towards a, a pluralistic society. Anika, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Be sure to follow, like, and subscribe to On Campus with the CITI program to stay in the know. I also invite you to review our content offerings regularly as we are continually adding new courses and webinars that may be of interest to you. All of our content is available to you anytime through organizational and individual subscriptions. You may also be interested in CITI program's Higher Education Accelerated Credit webinar please visit the CITI program's website to learn more about all of our offerings.